Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Framework. Today we're talking about framework. Putting in the framework necessary for your company to have a successful hiring campaign. So before you start putting ads out there and interviewing people, you need to put this in place before you start the process. My name is Rick Gerard, and thanks for tuning into the Higher Power Radio Show, where our aim is to help companies solve the most difficult hiring challenges from a different perspectives. Today, our guest is Aaron Wilson. Aaron is the co-founder of HirePool.io. He's also a um, former internal recruiter and head of talent over at Brightroll, as well as Yahoo. He's passionate about empowering job seekers of all backgrounds and committed to improving the world's candidate experience one interaction at a time. Aaron, thank you for joining us on the show today. Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm happy to have you because um, you and I share, I think, uh, similar uh, ideals in, in really making sure that candidate experience, well, you're a little bit more so than me, but the candidates' needs and, and what they want out of their careers is the focus of, of job searches. Let's kind of uh, talk about what a company should do before they place an ad or, or start interviewing. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I, you know, I think maybe helpful just to, I'm extremely passionate about this, but uh, it's an important topic here because we're talking about people. Yeah. Uh, and on, on the back end of hiring, you're talking about people. So, um, you know, I think it's important to invest in this. But, but yeah, there, there are three major pieces to, to any headcount uh, strategy as far as I'm concerned. On the front end, that is, we're really talking about walking into that process. So um, at a high level, I think the three areas that we want to get into today are, you know, what I refer to as target prioritization, or in other words, you know, how are we investing our time as an organization uh, and in what order? And then uh, secondarily, user stories. So people tend to talk about job descriptions. I'd rather talk about user stories. And, and last but not least, um, the infamous kickoff. But, you know, the meeting where we all come together to decide the action plan that we're about to put in place uh, when it comes to hiring uh, for a specific position. So those are three key areas we can dive into today. Sure, sure, most definitely. Just taking it a step further back, too, it's, it's really as a company knowing who you are. I guess that fits into kind of what maybe the user story piece on your end. Yeah, certainly part of it, and and um, you know not just who you are, but I think uh, sometimes organizations overlook what the hiring process in turn can experience represents. You're creating a perception in the market about who you are, right? Sure. You're and, and and people believe that perception, and so you're, you know, but it's deeper than that. It's really, you know, you're you're representing. Hey, this is how we organize effort as a company. This is how we make decisions and execute against plan or, or what should be a strategic initiative. So it, it has quite a few implications if you really break it down. Sure, sure, most definitely. But, you know, and again, I think uh, from the perspective of, of, for example, Amazon has their leadership principles by which they judge people. So they have kind of a basis to go by um, as to um, whether or not somebody has those capabilities or, or basically the personality to fit in well with the company. 
and I don't want to say culture because culture is such an overused you know term these days, but environment, right? Yeah. Okay. Define or, or kind of run through those those pieces for me then, like what you mean by those. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive in. I mean, uh, the first thing I had mentioned was target prioritization. And, um, you know, I love talking in practical terms, Rick. So if you're sitting in a startup right now or at a company and you're trying to get some stuff done, uh, you know, being able to take this away and implement it tomorrow, you know, is really the goal here. But I think, yeah. you know, so often hiring starts with uh, a drive-by in the hallway, right? Uh, <laughs> hey, Rick, I need you to open up this, uh, this headcount. I got to yeah. get a button seat by Monday or we're toast. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think really encouraging groups to take a step back and say, um, you know, you think about it as a headcount plan, but um, we have many groups that have needs. And those needs may have job titles, but if you really break them down, there's skills, and those skills work on projects, and there's likely overlap. So, you know, one really helpful exercise to get started is just, hey, I know that we're, things are changing and we move loose and fast in this environment. Uh, whether you're a startup or a f- top five internet company, in my experience, change is constant. So, you know, I understand that much, but that doesn't give us the excuse to avoid sitting down, you know, as a group and making sure that we're all on the same page. So when we're talking about the, the prioritization exercise, it's something as simple as on a Monday, you know, sending out a... Excel spreadsheet or a Google spreadsheet to all your department heads saying, uh, do me a favor, write down, you know, all of the hires you think you'll need in the next three months or yep. six months. And then, you know, the following Friday, getting into a room with those same department heads and having each one kind of go through their list and share the business need behind the hire and, you know, how they'll apply those headcount to the bottom line uh, of this company that we're all building and facilitate that conversation. You know, so so often I've sat in that room and heard three different groups say they need a data analyst, and, but they all have their own idea of how they're going to do that. When in reality, we could be talking about a BI team for the company, right, sure. or a sales ops team or something. So I think just getting in there and having people, you know, put time and energy into an order of operations that the recruiting team is going to go execute, uh, extremely important. All right, so we're talking about really planning. You got it, planning, and planning. I think you know not to get caught up on. The plan part of it, right? But the communication, like the transparency and the collaboration of the leadership team around building the company. And I think that's a muscle that you got to build early, but you know, you'll end up doing that quarterly or semi-annually or whatever your cycle is based on your needs. But just doing it collaboratively and consistently is really the key there, not the spreadsheet. And, and you know, you also have to coach the managers, or the managers should be prepared to find the right person as opposed to just getting a, a button at seat, so to speak. I think that's where bad hiring decisions are made because they they have that need, and that need overwhelms the fact that that person doesn't fit with the company. Well, absolutely, and you, yeah. and you box yourself into a transactional decision, right, or yes. a reactionary one. So true. Oh, I need to hire. I'll hire this person that solves what I need now. Yep. And uh, that's where you end up with six to twelve months job tenure. You know, not always the the employee's fault, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Good call out there. All right. So then we go to user story. Why is that important for a company? Yeah, user story. So, uh, you know, I I steal everything. Um, <laughs> this case, I stole it from from uh, product managers and engineers, right. you know, who build world, world-class products, and, and they'll tell you how important it is to understand your your audience and that person or their persona, 
and the user story, right, or sort of the experience that you want to deliver. Um, and, you know, I think uh, when you're hiring, it's very much similar. So you start with this prioritization, you have, you know, a macro strategy, but then you have to extrapolate each position in a meaningful way. I mean, again, to come back to why it's important, these are people we're talking about. This is their career. Uh, and so investing a bit of thought into that. So as an example, again, you know, what's common? Hey, uh, Rick, I really need to open this role. Can you go ahead and throw up that job description so we can get a pipeline going? And uh, as opposed to uh, what I consider a user story, which is just a bit more thoughtful exercise. Hey, uh, I understand you want to hire. Uh, you know, here are some questions that are going to give us more dimensionality around this hire and what they'll be doing day-to-day, what they'll be doing early in the role, who they'll be interacting with. You know, most people are dependent on other teams. So what does cross-functional execution look like? You know, what are the dependencies for them to be successful? Uh, And even diving as deep as what tools and systems they might use or um, how they measure outcomes. But I think part of that is just having the hiring manager having answers to those questions, right? Yeah. Having thought enough about the hire to be able to speak to them. And then... So then your, you know, if you, if your user story then is, is kind of focused in on what the job and what the story of the company is then, correct? That's right. Okay. In a more authentic and, and again, three-dimensional way. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And then your third piece was um, the kickoff meeting, right? Or, or kind of... Yeah, the kickoff. Okay. You know, just... And making those really count, right? You know, I think um, oftentimes you see, uh, well, we've hired three engineers, so we don't need a kickoff meeting for the fourth. And I think, you know, trying to impress upon people that every hire is unique, unless you're hiring clones, which I don't think we're quite there yet. So, you know, really taking time in that kickoff to develop a new narrative for a new hire, but really making it, again, collaborative, making it a working session. So when you get into them, you know, yeah, you're doing things like reviewing that user story and talking about needs, but what is the interview panel, what is the interview plan for this hire? Who's going to cover which interviews? What are the objectives of those interviews? And then even, you know, on the back end of that meeting, getting into some live sourcing and really start collaborating as a team against the market. You know, so often people give you a list of requirements but don't understand what that means for the population, right, or the reach you have to go try and find the right, the right hire. So, it's been really interesting to do, um, and just finish on this note, you know, have, have your talent team do some live sourcing with the hiring manager and show them, well, if I enter your variables into LinkedIn, you know, of the 450, 500 million people in the world, here's the pool we're working with. And, really and if, it's pool, kinda, if it's a limited pool, you're kind of screwed, right? I mean, you have to set expectations properly. Yeah, and I don't, you know, and I think I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't, my first gut isn't to tell people you're wrong and we can't do it. It's (laughs) just a matter of transparency and understanding, right? Okay, you understand that there's only 100 people like that. Yeah. We're we're, going to screen X percentage based on historical data, which means you have 10. And every time you ding one of them, we just lost 10% of our market. Very true. It's okay. Just understand. Yeah. It is finite. Now, in that kickoff meeting, you're also gaining commitment buy-in from the hiring managers, correct? Oh, absolutely. I think um, yeah, I can be a little strong on this side, this side of the yeah. discussion, but you okay. know, it's we're not a we don't serve people. We're a team that works with you. Yeah. So, you know, you got to show up to the meeting. You got to be ready to go. Absolutely. 
All right, so we are talking to Aaron Wilson, founder of HirePool.io, and we just got discussed why it's important to be, you know, not just winging it in the hiring process. Um, so we need to take a quick break, and but when we come back, we're going to really lay out for you a framework that you as a company can use today to significantly increase your ability to hire the most uh, powerful talent for your company. We'll be right back. You're listening to Hire Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Hire Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Higher Power with Rick Gerard. Welcome back to the show. So uh, you're listening to Higher Power, and I'm your host, Rick Gerard. We're talking to Aaron Wilson, uh, founder of HirePool.io. Uh, before the break, we were discussing the why to having a hiring process in place. And now we're going to share our processes in with, 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 co- with you as a company so that you can implement a winning campaign today. Um, so, Aaron, thanks uh, again for, how, uh, for being here. Um, so now that we kind of understand the importance of putting a foundation in place prior to talking to anybody, let's, let's kind of provide a, a framework, I think, that needs to be in place for a company. So lay out for me if you could kind of, if I'm a new startup, maybe I don't have recruiting resources, what do I do? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot about the interview process um, like the Internet. You know, and I think it's, it's been described in the past as designed for flexibility, architected for scale. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that's where I come in on the hiring process. I think whether you're one or 100 people, uh, the same things are important. You need to be consistent. It needs to be repeatable. It needs to be measurable. Yep. And, uh, you know, and I think the way that we get there is by, again, putting thought into it, on the front end, uh, which sometimes seems out of place, but but always investing up up front because it's such an important hire or move in your company, and start to knock out the pieces that you believe every candidate should experience. So, for example, um, walking into hiring process knowing that, say, 60% of the candidate experience you're going to deliver is fixed. It is the same for every single position you hire for in that company whether it's an admin or an executive. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that can be as simple as your first-round interaction with talent is the same, your on-site workflow is the same, the number of interviews you do, you know, uh, two calls in an on-site is the same. Yeah. And, and, you know, so to that extent, I think being very consistent and measurable uh, is the only way to really know if you're doing good or not, right, and constantly striving to improve it. And then, of course, you need some level of, flexibility because an admin and an engineer aren't the same yeah you know so so there's some some flexibility there that's so true in your mind the other 40 percent would be that flexible piece as to because the process for an executive is going to be much longer than an admin yeah correct i think you have you have right you have some some time allocation that's going to be a variable and then you also have just domain expertise so if you think about your on-site interview, the on-site might be the same for every candidate to the extent that they're greeted the same way, you know, they have uh, 
nearly the same number of interactions, but the content in those final round interactions are going to be domain specific. Uh, the number of hours invested, you know, in passing those interviews should, should be appropriately correlated to the role, et cetera. Okay. So, you know, it, from my perspective, what, what I like to tend to do too, and, and it's very similar, by the way, you know, just going back to defining the principles, making sure that you have a core basis to go by or a measuring stick, so to speak. And then, of course, target identification. I think companies don't utilize their resources they already have that much. Uh, people like you and I come in, and of course, the first thing we work is employee referrals, right? But I don't think a lot of companies think to, to, to work through that piece of it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great call out, Rick. And, you know, when they do, again, it tends to be more transactional reactionary. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys, super hot job. Tell me the security engineers you know. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Um, as opposed to constantly sharing uh, where you are as an organization and where you're going so that your team can be actively thinking about how to build the organization around them. You know, there's a, a sort of a simple analogy I use all the time. Uh, a lot of times you hear someone say, hey, you know, do you know anybody that's looking? Uh, or do you know any engineers? And, you know, if you ask me if I know anyone, uh, I, you know, I probably don't have much feedback for you, even though I, ha I know more than one person. Yeah. But if you say, hey, do you know uh, anybody who's, you know, smart in the talent space that lives in Orange County that has access to a podcast? Uh, okay, now my mental Rolodex is spinning and Rick Jard comes to mind. Sure. So, you know, I think, are you going Thanks extra, for the plug, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you going the extra mile to communicate that, right. you know, to take us back to user stories? Sure. Right? There's something like that comes comes back full circle. Sure. Okay. So then, um, so then what would be the next piece that you would have a uh, company put in place? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing here is just... Um, a culture of uh, collaboration and transparency, you know, throughout the process, and a culture of feedback, sure. all as it relates to the hiring manager. But I mean, to the hiring process. But you know, you you have candidates that invest uh, countless hours preparing for your company for your interviews, sure. uh, doing your take-home assignments, etc. And then, uh, in most cases, companies just decide, hey, we're not going to move forward, and they let it go. And it's such a learning opportunity, you know, to really collect that 360 feedback. Uh, so I think, you know, one, just say hey, hiring isn't a talent thing. It's a everybody thing, you know, and, and so ta tackling that problem as a team. Yeah. And then, two, being in the habit of uh, intellectual honesty and feedback always. Yeah. Uh, those, are, those are the next big rocks. And a piece that I like to kind of throw into this, too, would be engagement, right? The importance of how you engage a potential person to work for your company. Um, I take it from a perspective of I want to uncover what that person's career wound is before I really start talking to them about my job that I'm trying to fill. And because without some sort of trigger event or, or really kind of career wound that we can help heal, I find that you spend a lot of time spinning wheels on candidates that really aren't ready to make a move. I don't know if you, you know. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, companies do uh, that a lot. Yeah, I think, you know, I've spoken to some large number of job seekers, and the conversation always starts with, so what do you want? 
Yeah. You know, and just just hearing them out, and uh, there's that added wrinkle of making sure you hear what they say and not what you want to hear. Yeah. Right? So I think. Yeah. Um, but but it's a great place to stay if you really listen to the answer to that question. You're going to understand things like motivation, timeline, right, and how genuinely interested they are. I mean, I can't tell you how many times someone said, "I thought we had them." You know. They oh were yeah. Ninety-nine percent sure they were going to come here, and had you listened this is the first time you asked that question, you would have known you were number two or three all along. Or number five or six. I mean, especially if somebody's actively in the job market, right? Here's a key thing. If you front load your interview where you spend time getting to know that person up front, um, you're going to get a lot more information that's going to help you down at the end than you are if you try and ask those questions at the end of the process. Because people become very tight-lipped once an offer is in place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You want to establish that trust and rapport absolutely. the first time you interact. You mm-hmm. know, And I think you, you make a great point that when you have that information and you're coming to the 11th hour, it's really easy to, you know, what how they say close, but you don't actually have to close. Yeah. Because There's no closing. You know it's what opening. They want, you've delivered it. Exactly. You're yeah. opening the next chapter in their career. Yeah. Um, but I think to, to go back for a second... It's also really valuable in the first call because you, you talk to job seekers and it's an active market that we're in. And, uh, you know, you hear things like, oh, I'm going to take my time. You know, I'm going sure. to give it a few weeks or what have you. And, and that's all true until it's not, right? Until they meet one company that they are truly interested in, then however long that company's process will take, that's how much time you have. Yeah. So the, the way I would encourage my talent teams is your job in that first call is to buy sand, like sand from an hourglass. I need enough sand to, to get them through our process so that they can see why this is a great opportunity based on what they want. And the only way you're going to do that is if you listen and ensure that established connection in the first call. Okay, I love the buying sand thing. <laughs> I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> That's all right. I'm it from somebody else, as mentioned. <laughs> all right, cool. You know, and, and I think it's really important, too, that um, as you are having these conversations with people that you are honest and if it's not the right fit for your company, you let them know. Rather than trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole, I mean, if it's just not going to be a cultural match or a skills match or, or not even, you know, no matter how bad the hiring manager might want this person, mm-hmm. you've got to be the one to make that call. Yeah, totally. And I, yeah. you know, not to be repetitive, but back to target prioritization. Yeah. yeah. Right. Love where this comes into play because now you can not only give them the feedback now, but you can be really clear about the, at least the near term future, you know, and, and keep yeah. that close. But I think one, I think it's hard to give feedback, Rick. So people yeah. struggle with, you know, can I say it or how do I say it? And um, something I've used in my experience that's worked is just people are used to working in teams and there's some shared knowledge around what number in that team you are. So, example, if you're the first person in a team, typically you're going to be expected to have more experience because sure. you're either standing up that initiative or that team. So when you're talking to people, being able to say, hey, uh, we like you, but you know this is number two in the team, and we think you'd be really great as a number four based on our ability to support you, right? our resources to invest in your growth and have you step up, uh, people typically accept that feedback very well. Uh, because again, it's known environment. Um, so yeah, I think, well, I think then, that there's something to be done there. And you're keying upon something that I have like noted, which is a feedback channel, right? So how will it? 
what's what's your recommendation on how a company will actually set up a really effective feedback channel? Yeah, so well, uh, first of all, uh, scale is an important variable in that. So sure. I'll, I'll try to touch on a few elements, but you know, I think the first part of a feedback channel to the candidate is your internal channel. So how are you? getting feedback from the interviewers to yourself and you know thankfully some modern ATSs have better workflow for that you know than than the old school ones sure um, but let's assume you're getting that feedback you know if you've done some of the steps we've talked about in this call in your first round interview when the talent team talks to the candidate by the end of that phone call the talent team should be in a position to let the candidate know directly whether they're moving forward or not. Absolutely. Most of the time. Yeah. If um, if they're coming on site, I'm a big believer that that person, if they want it, deserves constructive feedback, and I would highly prefer that in a phone call. Something more personal, something that shows you're willing to invest time to close this out on the right foot. Um, and maybe a little coaching, time. too, right? Right, and exactly, and coaching. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, something that has worked as a nice bridge between the interviewing team and the job seekers uh, for me in the past is saying to the interviewing team, hey, I'm going to get on a call with Rick. I'm going to let him know we're not moving forward. You know, I know we have some feedback, but as a team, can we just isolate one thing Rick can do better in his next interview? And that way, when I get into that call, I've got some context, which is just fact, it's just what happened, sure. and then you have verdict, right? Um, and hopefully that one piece that you gathered, that's you coaching them how to go kill it in the next interview. Yeah. And I think one, one piece to add to this, again, is, is timeline, right? Establish a timeline with your internal channel. Look at, we need to provide feedback to this person within 48 hours. Uh, I always have the candidate call me after the interview on the way back. Be, beat their call back to me so that, like, at least we have that communication channel. I can debrief that person. And, and of course, sticking to that timeline is, is pretty key as far as making sure that, that your company is, is, is giving the best candidate experience as well. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And, if, you know, if you were supposed to deliver a project to a customer, yeah. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't pass that deadline and just not give the customer an update. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Like exactly. when money's on the line, all of a sudden you have content, right? So I know that there isn't money on the line per se, but these days with Glassdoor and, and technology forcing the issue of, of mm. candidate experience, like, uh, you might as well consider it money on the line. So true, so true. Um, and then we're, I'm just going to touch upon two really quick things because we're almost running out of time here, but offer with that timeline talking about well actually after the interview setting up that feedback channel making sure that you start kind of prepping for an offer and when we get to the offer stage make sure you discuss start date discuss counter offers which you know that's a whole nother episode um (laughs) (laughs) reconfirmed kind of their wound and, and agree on money and usually when it comes down to it if the opportunity is the right thing for the person's career the money works itself out. 100%. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of studies that show money's like not in the top three, you know, for, for most top performers anyways. And I think, at least in my experience, as long as the company's being fair 
and uh, the job seeker truly wants the opportunity, the money always works itself out. So very true. Aaron, man, thank you so much for your time investment today and um, in sharing your knowledge with the uh, Higher Power Radio community. Now, uh, uh, Thanks for having me, Rick. Oh, absolutely. Now, if anybody would like to find out more about your company or get in touch with you, how do they reach you? Oh, uh, yeah. You guys can reach me. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the, the quickest way. You can get me on there. I'm pretty responsive. You're really responsive uh, also, on Twitter, too. It, yeah. <laughs> or, or Twitter or Quora or email or text. Or, uh, but, yeah, now any, any of that works. And if you want to check out HirePool, um, either shoot me a note, EW at HirePool.io, or uh, jump on the wait list, and uh, we clear it every few days. So you'll be in before no time. Oh, sounds great. Um, so I want to thank our listening off- audience for tuning in today um, to the Higher Power Radio Show. Quick thanks to our team. We have our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Joan Park, Haley Stern, Shanti Ryle, and our executive producer, Kim Iverson. Uh, to listen to this show and any other past episodes, check out our website, which is higher, higherpowerradio.com or Higher Power Radio on iTunes. And for the uh, latest insights in the show, you can follow our Facebook page, which is Higher, H-I-R-E, Power Radio Show, or check out our uh, blog on stridesearch.com. I want to thank you for being here. Uh, tune in next week. We have a really outstanding guest. I'm a, it's going to be a surprise guest next week. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and I want you've been listening to the uh, Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.